8.9. Y'all quieted down early this morning. Well, why not start early? Nobody will complain if we start early. Well, good morning. Welcome to Northside. We're glad that you are here. As you can tell, we got a lot of kiddos that are about to sing. So they're going to start us off in our time of worship this morning. Thank you, Praise Makers Choir. All right, they're going to make their way to be seated, and if everybody else, if you'll stand and take a moment, welcome those around you.
good morning. If you find your way back towards your uh, seats and worship along with us.
spread out the skies over empty space you said let there be light to a dark and formless world your light was born you spread out your arms over empty hearts you said let there be light to a dark and hopeless world your son was born you made the world and saw it church we are thankful that you are here on a beautiful Sunday morning want to extend a special welcome to our guest those of you who are visiting for the first time we are thankful that you are here and pray that you uh, see Jesus Christ high and lifted up and that you know we do indeed serve a wonderful uh, mighty God if this is your first time we would appreciate if you would let us know there's a couple ways you can do that there's a QR code in the bulletin that you can scan or there's a connection card out in um, the foyer that you can pick up. Well, I hope you uh, have had a great week. 
Our family has had a great week, uh, a different week. Some of you know, but I've shared this with you months ago that we are licensed to be a foster family. So on Wednesday, late afternoon, we got the call, our first placement. So we have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old boy who are at home with Miss Ryan because they're under the weather. So they're watching maybe online. So, hey boys. Um, and so we got that call late Wednesday afternoon. And uh, I talked to Gary about five minutes later and I said, Pastor Gary, can you preach for me on Sunday morning? I said, I don't know what kind of frame of mind I'm gonna be in the next couple days to finish studying. And so Pastor Gary is gonna preach for me this morning. Uh, he's been prepared and ready to go for that. And so if you will just be praying for him uh, as he brings uh, God's word this morning, and just continue to pray for us. It's going very well uh, outside the sickness thing. So we're thankful uh, for that. And they should be here on Wednesday night and you'll have a chance to meet those two sweet boys. Let me take a couple minutes and emphasize some missions things uh, and then we'll have some other announcements at the end of the service. Um, bridging the gap are cans of corn, cans of green beans. Those need, those need to be brought back by today. So if you didn't bring them this morning and you have them, bring them tonight and we'll drop those off uh, this week. We have a brief 20-minute Ecuador meeting uh, right after the service in the education building. We'll meet in the education building. So if you are interested in uh, a trip to Ecuador uh, next summer, please go over there right after the service for a brief meeting. Casas Por Cristo, uh, there's a trip planned for that in February. Um, if you're interested, they can still sign up. You can see Brian. Also, don't forget about our fundraiser opportunity. Uh, that's out there back on the wall. You can read all about that. We would encourage you to give. Uh, Ms. Debbie, you'll be back there today with a card reader. I know we don't always have checks or cash on us, um, and so if you have your credit card, you'll be able to pay that way. You can just take one of the envelopes off the wall, and Debbie will help you um, with that. She'll be out there. Uh, the last announcement is it is time. It seems like we just did this. This is how fast time flies uh, for Operation Christmas Child. So shoeboxes are out in the foyer. Labels are available. I mean, so we'll take up these boxes for the next month and a half. There's information in the bulletin about when we're going to serve. You can scan that QR code, sign up if you want to serve uh, with that. You must be 13 or over to participate. It's always a great time uh, doing that. And with it kind of kicking off Operation Christmas Child, we got a video for you this morning, and then we'll pray. So check out this video. When that shoebox is open, they're overjoyed. You can see them shouting, jumping. Oh, look at how much they are excited. This is the first time those children are receiving the shoeboxes. They are so happy. Every box is important because every box is an opportunity to tell a child about God's love, about his son, Jesus Christ. If you get the heart of the child, you will reach the heart of the parents, you will reach the heart of the family, and then you will touch the community. That gift box is the beginning into their hearts. Isn't it incredible how these gifts touch the lives of these children? Every year we see tens of thousands of children discipled, and we couldn't do this without you, so thank you for packing the boxes, thank you for praying for these children around the world. God bless you, and keep packing those boxes. Father, you tell us that we are to go make disciples and that we are to go to the ends of the earth, to all the nations. Lord, that starts right here. 
So Lord, whether it be Calvary Pregnancy Center or Bridging the Gap as we collect green beans and corn, Lord, just a means to meet some physical needs so that Bridging the Gap may meet spiritual needs as well. Father, whether it's going to places like Ecuador to share the gospel or uh, going with Casas Por Cristo into Guatemala to share the, the gospel and to build a home and to make a difference in one family's life, or whether it's through Operation Christmas Child, Lord, which has the opportunity to take boxes into parts of the world where they may not be open for somebody coming in, but through a gift, Lord, they will be exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, as we, as we collect boxes, as we go and serve, Lord, it's amazing to hear the stories, and we'll hear a story or two along the way over the next month. Oh, Father, how you put the exact box, the exact need a child has in their hands. And Lord, it's through prayer. God, because you are an almighty God. Lord, we're just packing boxes and we're praying over those boxes. But God, you see the bigger picture. And there may be a box that a family is going to pack and they're going to put certain items in there as the spirit leads them. And Lord, you're going to take that box and put it in the exact hands that you want that box to be in. Because that's how awesome and powerful you are. Lord, we just want to be obedient. As we're going to sing, we want to trust and we want to obey. We want to live out, Lord, this great commission as we seek to be disciples who make disciples. Father, for your glory and your honor. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand? Let's work.
join me in a word of prayer. Father, we come to you to worship, to praise, to listen, to learn, to offer up our lives as a thank you for what you've done for us. We're going to take up an offering. We want to give that to you. Pastor Gary is going to come and preach, and he wants to give that to you. We're going to hear some great music, and we want to give that to you. Because we love you, we trust you, and we pray your blessings on all that we do here. In Jesus' name, amen.
I'm supposed to remind this is our time where our children go to children's church. If you have a copy of God's Word, please turn with me in Ephesians, to Ephesians chapter 5. Yeah, I can feel it. Am I allowed? All right. Sorry. I know I'm not talking. I'm sorry. Let's read Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> I'll be reading from verse 8. Pardon me. <clears throat> from verse 7. All the way through to the end of the uh, verse 21. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7 through 21. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. 
Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Praise be to God for the reading of his word. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would glorify your name through the preaching of your word. May your word go forth and accomplish that which you have purposed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, If you're a Christian, you are called because you have been taken out of darkness and brought into God's wonderful light. We're called Christians, we are called as Christians, to live in the light. You're not called to continue to live in darkness. How do I get to that point? How do I get to that Christians are to live in the light? Well, I'm not going to have you turn there, but in John chapter 7, the gospel of John chapter 7 and 8, we are we're confronted with a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. And on that day, during that feast, there is a, a nighttime ceremony called the Illumination of the Temple. And if you want to go and read over that, that's fine. But I'm just going to give you a little bit of a background for this. John chapter 7 and 8 record this encounter. And this, this event, the Illumination of the Temple, takes place in front of these four large menorahs, and if you don't know what a menorah is, it's a candle. This huge lot, four of these large menorahs that they would stand, they were massively tall, and these menorahs were fed with large bowls that were said to hold up to 65 liters worth of oil. Now, you would think that priests are just these men in holy clothing that would go around reading the scripture, teaching. No, no you would have to have well-trained, fit priests who would have to hose replace the oil up into these reservoirs to keep the wicks of the menorahs lit. Why? So that there would be light. This ceremony celebrates the Lord leading Israel from Egypt through the wilderness experience. How? By a pillar of fire at night and the cloud in the day. So it's in the setting, after the ceremony, celebrating the Lord's leading, and Jesus is reminding some of these Pharisees about the law regarding the woman who was caught in adultery. And this is where the Lord says, this is the context where the Lord Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's John chapter 8, verse 12. You get to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, and you read this statement, for at one time you were darkness, if you read there in verse 8. But now you are light in the Lord. 
Christians are to imitate God because we are children of light, not darkness. Our nature has changed if if you're a Christian. At one time you were darkness. Let me be clear, we are not the light. That is Jesus. However, because the light has come to dwell in us, we reflect that light that is shining due to His transformation, transforming us into sons and daughters of God. We are not gods. We are human. But as Moses shone with the glory of God, we too, when filled with the glory of God, shine like the sun. Because we are in the light, you, we, have a great responsibility The rest of this passage, so basically from verse 9, unpacks through 21, unpacks this great responsibility you have to live in the light. Now, I know Pastor Aaron just finished Ephesians and has gone through Esther and is into 1 Peter, so I hope you don't remember everything. This is a passage that when we went to Ecuador, I, I preached... And it took a whole bit longer than I'm hoping that it'll take today. So please bear with me. Verses 8 and 9. We are to live as children of light. So it says, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good, right, and true. You are to be good, right, and true. You are to be one that is fruitful in your benevolence. In your generosity, a Christian should be one that oozes out benevolence, oozes out generosity as followers of Christ. Righteousness, what does that mean? You must be of the behavior from the heart that the world sees as one that follows Christ. Of truth is what we go after in all things. We're to make sure we don't hide the light. We put it on display. But how do we do that? How do we go about living in the light? Verse 10, we are to discern what pleases the Lord. Verse 10, we read, and we are to try and discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Oftentimes when somebody comes to a saving faith, there's this freedom, this this wonder, this amazement that you are Now free, you're able to do what pleases the Lord. But sometimes what happens is there's there's two sides to that railroad. You're you're able to easily go from one side where you're restrictive. Or you feel the freedom that you can just do what you want. The freedom in the gospel, because you're a child of God, carries with it a great adventure. Understand this is not a license to sin. This is not for you to act foolishly. We should... As verse 21 says, when you read it, you are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So when you're living out your life as a believer, you ought to understand in this room today, you may have a brother or sister who will come up to you and will want to love on you. And that love may come in various ways. That love may come in ways where they want to correct you. Where they want to say, you have strayed in this way, please come back. If we are in sin and our friends call us on it, 
We should be humble enough to accept their love as from the Lord. We're to repent, turn toward Christ. If we are about to do something foolish and our friends correct our folly, we should listen as if, as if it was coming from the Lord. We should think of it as a gracious thing. We shouldn't be foolish. We should move toward wisdom. That's what this passage is speaking about when it speaks about living in the light. So this should be an active activity. This should be an active discipline when it comes to being a Christian. What do I mean by that? You're, you're not called to be a passive Christian. Let God take the wheel. Let Jesus take the wheel. You know, I'll be in the trunk asleep, Lord, you got this. Just a couple of things when it comes to thinking about how is it that I can live in the light? Well, we need to be a culture that needs to become quiet. We speak too much into how we should live, feel too much in what we should do. We should be quiet. We should place our busyness into our last place of priorities. We should listen for the Spirit through God's Word. We should have ears to hear, as the Scriptures continually tell us. And we should be obedient when it comes to reading God's Word, when we read it, we should do what it says. Verses 11 and 12, we are to expose darkness, not to participate in it. That means we are to fearlessly pray. We need to fearlessly speak, and we need to fearlessly act. So it says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Darkness, darkness can be properly defined as the unfruitful works of darkness. But instead, you are to expose them. Darkness is any curse of the fall being lived out under the lie that it is good. Any curse of the fall, not good, but being used as a benefit to the few who use that curse to their own advantage. Disease, I've heard from doctors, thrive in darkness. When you don't go and look after a certain spot, when it comes to a dentist, which you know all of you love, if you leave those certain spots in your mouth, not taken care of, and that dentist or that oral hygienist comes and looks, and they find that wonderful dark spot, and you're like, well, let me take a look, and they look in your mouth, and they're like, no, but you need to like, lift your teeth up because you, we, I need to take a look. They're like, well, no, I don't want you to because I can feel the pain. And you're like, no, but I can't help you because I have to expose it, so open it up. And when they see that spot, they're able to expose what's in there. And then they tell you, pay up. <laughs> disease, disease flourishes in darkness. Total darkness would bring death to the earth's life. So in like fashion, spiritual darkness brings, spiritual darkness brings disease and death. So when I say live in the light, I'm saying that you will be susceptible, you will be susceptible to disease. You will be susceptible to these things if you do not live in the light. So the problem with the fall, when you go all the way back to Genesis, is that it made darkness appear to be preferable. 
The fallen world system prefers darkness to light. Fallen creatures prefer lies to the truth. There is much in created order that needs attention, needs exposure to the light, and redemption brought to the table. This is what one pastor says. On popular issues like poverty and slavery, where Christians are likely applauded for our social actions, when it comes to those issues, we're quick to stand. We're quick to speak, yet on controversial issues like homosexuality, sexuality, abortion, where Christians are likely to be criticized for their involvement. What do we do? We are content to sit down and stay quiet. It is as if we've decided to pick and choose what issues we'll contest and which we will concede. So our picking and our choosing normally revolves around what is most comfortable for us in our culture. You see, this text doesn't specifically say you exclude some and you give way to others. It says expose. Verse 13 and 14. Sleepy believers must awake to the mission. But when, verse 13, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. For me, when I went through this... uh, It wasn't really very clear. Is it speaking to unbelievers in the Ephesian church? And by the way, this is a letter written to a church to Christians. Is this speaking to unbelievers in the church there? Is it speaking to believers? Is it speaking to believers who are waning in zeal and appear to be more dark than light? I believe it's the latter. Whatever, it appears that some who are, in, who are light in the Lord need to be reminded that they are light in the Lord and need to begin walking in a worthy manner. I didn't ask their permission, but my girls often need reminding of the things I reminded them of. And when we get home, generally speaking, that will happen again and again. My wife will probably, Ruth will probably say, I need reminding of the things I need reminding of. (laughs) The scripture again and again through the Apostle Paul is basically a reminder of things that have come. And he's reminding them to remember, this is something you need to hold when it comes to being a Christian. And he is saying, Paul is writing, to shake them from their sleep by reminding them of who they are and whose they are by, working, by the working of the gospel and how to walk worthy of their calling. So it is a fact that Christians can be snoozing spiritually. You may be a Christian here, and I'm going to call you out on it. You may, you may be snoozing spiritually, hopefully not Literally. Comfort does this to us. We live in a culture, we live in an age where comfort is, is easy. You know, I promise you right now. I mean, the church got something new and Pastor Aaron was like, well, Pastor Gary, you know, we can put that on the Wi-Fi. We can put that connected to Wi-Fi and we can just 
we could just play around with it on our phones to, to make sure that everything is, and I'm like, that's easy. We don't have to come into the building. We can actually just do that. We live in that age where things are just easy for us to do. Most of you can probably check if somebody is coming into your house because you have a system up. You have a garage system. Ease we have today is accessible to us. And this is Paul warning the Christians to be careful of ease. This is why the Lord will sometimes graciously allow difficulty, challenges to come in your life. And I encourage you, if you think for a second, if you think for a second, you know, so far in my Christian life, I haven't experienced any difficulty, any challenges. Nothing bad has happened to me. I'm fine. I don't know what you're talking about. And to which the Apostle Paul will say, well, you just need to wait. You just need to wait. Difficulty has a grace in that it shakes us from slumber to alertness. In other words, your prayer life is nothing other, when it comes to spiritually snoozing, is nothing other than when you gather like this and somebody's praying, that is your prayer time. You think that's your time in prayer. But there's no personal walk with the Lord, no reading of His Word. It is possible to even sing a song without being awake to the words. It is possible to lead a ministry without knowing or caring for the end for which you are leading it. It is possible to live a a dreamy life of unreality in the neverland of inaction. We must all be on mission and not just hanging out and happy to be here. So how should the Christian be walking today? Verses 15 through 17. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we ought to walk wisely in days that are evil while redeeming the time. In these verses, the Christian is commanded to walk circumspectly. Circumspectly. So when I was preaching this in Ecuador, and I'd given this to... uh, to the missionary Chris Yancey, I given this to him a week, and he, and he grabbed my arm an hour before the sermon. He said, what other word can you use except circumspectly? Because <laughs> he had to translate that into Spanish. Cautious of risk. Some of you are vegetable farmers. You have your vegetable beds. You have whatever it is. So when you go into it, or if you ask a family member or a child, hey, I need you to go and pick those fruits, those vegetables, to walk circumspectly is to be cautious, is to not just do whatever you want, walk anywhere you want. It is to walk cautiously knowing that you're going to pick those vegetables. Because if you trample anywhere, you're going to destroy your crop. You just don't want to step on any vegetables. Walking circumspectly circumspectly in this world is similar to this. We need to 
walk carefully and be attentive because why? There are pitfalls in this world. When you walk carefully, you look around before you take a step. It's how you walk when you're in a demo zone. I don't know how many of you, before I came to the north side, I walked many demo zones for a 10-year period. And the one thing that we were told, which, and it wasn't because we didn't know, it's just because they told us to remember, hard hat, appropriate shoes, but look where you walk. And I remember the first year I did that, I looked up, but I didn't look down, stood on a nail. And I don't know if any of you have ever done that. You won't do that again. So you don't want to step on anything left behind. So we walk circumspectly, according to verse 15, by walking not as fools, but as wise. A fool is one who is primarily governed by his or her feelings. When the scripture calls us to not be fools, but to be wise, his call is not really for us to get more knowledge, but simply to use the knowledge we have by the power of God's spirit to be faithful. Gaining knowledge isn't wrong. Reading scripture, going to commentaries, coming under pastor's preaching, going to Sunday school, those things, gaining knowledge isn't wrong. In fact, it is something we should strive for. But it is useless if we do not apply it. Those who are wise use whatever knowledge they have. So the question is, do you want to know what makes somebody wise? If you know this old pastor, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said, a wise man is a man who always thinks. He does not merely act on the basis of instinct. He doesn't act on the on the basis of impulse or desire. No, he is a man who insists upon thought, upon reason, upon meditation. So how do we walk carefully? By being wise. Why should we walk carefully? Because the days are evil. The verses, This verse is an allusion to Psalm 90, verse 12, which is a prayer for God to help us number our days so that we may be wise. Paul says further in verses 16 and 17 when he tells us that walking wisely allows us to redeem the time. Redeeming the time means to make the most of it, to use time wisely. It also has this idea of urgency. Time is important. And it should not be thrown around lightly when you 